there is a single question that plagues many new and many experienced podcasters. The answer is elusive and hard to track down, and it just keeps coming up again and again. That question, and you may be familiar with it, is why does my audio sound so freaking bad? This is something that I've struggled with at different times over the years, and I know it's something that the people we work with sometimes struggle with as well. There are so many variables that go into getting good audio, and for your audio to sound correct, they've all got to be done right. Happily, once you get them right, they tend to stay right, unless, of course, you're moving from place to place, which, you know, of course, sometimes we have to do also. That's why it's so important to know how to optimize and then troubleshoot your own setup. And my guest today is going to be helping us do exactly that. I'm talking to Janae Ahmad, who is an expert in home audio and video setup. And today we're going to be talking about optimizing your space, whether that is in your home office, whether it's at your kitchen table or in a conference room, and then how to troubleshoot your own audio if it's not sounding the way you think it should. That's all happening today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. All right, Janine, thank you so much for joining me on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show today. Hey, Megan, so happy and excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Great. So for everybody uh, listening, would you just give a little bit of background, kind of how you got uh, into this industry, how you became an expert on uh, home studios? Well, it all came down to me solving my own problem. Now, I've been in the film industry for the past decade. I've done documentaries. I've done short films. And I've been playing with cameras and and video cameras and photography cameras since as far as 1989. So I've been in, in the space with technology for a long time. And I've, I've seen film cameras. I've seen, you know, cameras that required an SD card or some kind of memory card to now cameras that have built-in memory. Very cool. And uh, what about kind of work uh, specifically in the podcasting and the vlogging in the digital media realm? So that space, uh, I entered, I would say around 2002, I was blogging um, on a few different sites around technology, around just personal ramblings. I had I had written some poems and like all sorts of different things over the years. So you can find them on my, my little blog. But then it wasn't until 2012 that I stumbled upon podcasting. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And the more I delved into it, because I already had I already had some experience with WordPress and setting up sites and blogs, and I found some plugins that enabled me to create a blog, a you know, create a podcast host for myself. I was like, this is pretty fun. So I ended up uh, creating a podcast called Still Brewing It because it was my cousin, my brother-in-law talking about different ideas, and that podcast went as far as probably a month because of the time <laughs> constraints we all had uh, a literal pod fade right there but it wasn't until 20 we've all had those i'm sure we've all had those at yes this we've all had pod fades and blog fades and you know you can add fade to anything you get started but it wasn't until 2018 that i started documenting my beekeeping journey started talking to myself and uh talking about all these amazing things that i discovered around beekeeping and Gary V just told me, hey, just document your journey. Because I, I was like, what do I document? And if I want to start a podcast, because I was waiting. I, I kept asking them, hey, do you want to start the podcast again? And there's just no time available for people. 
I was like, okay, you know what? I gotta go it on my own. So 2018, I started a podcast, talked to myself for about a year till I got tired. And I was, and I was like, wait, I'm sure there's other crazy people like me who like to talk to themselves. Let's talk to them. And so I started bringing people on my podcast and I've interviewed over 400 guests on the podcast. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun and getting to learn their journey, learn their uh, expertise and, and the stories that I got to hear. I think it was a ton of fun. Absolutely. And I think, and, and I just want to emphasize uh, for a moment for everyone listening, how cool it is that you do this about beekeeping. And that's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's definitely on like my bucket list of life skills to learn when we move out to the country. Mm-hmm. Our, our, uh, our, our, the suburb I live in does actually allow uh, a hive in your backyard, but we, our, our yard is too small, and yeah. I don't think the, the neighbors and their small children would be super appreciative. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. Okay, so you're getting all this experience. You've got kind of the AV, the video, the tech background, uh, and then, you know, 2020 happens, and everyone uh, who has been used to doing a lot of their work, uh, either at co-working spaces or rented studios uh, or in offices, all of a sudden they are recording from home, yeah, and they need to develop a home studio. So, so what would you call a home studio uh, compared to you know any other place? What makes it different when you're doing it at home? Well, what's different and what's typically uh, a home studio would be in somebody who's already living this residence. So it's a home studio in your residence, right? Quit with recording and producing audio or video content, and very easy to get started. Like the idea behind setting up a home studio is to remove any and all friction to creating content, mm-hmm. right? So you can have all sorts of equipment here. And the idea is you just step into the room, press a button and you are live or you are recording and not, a, you know, it, it removes that friction. So home studio, that's what I had defined in home studio. Um, something that removes the friction for you to creating mm-hmm. content. Well, I think what you've really described uh, just now is kind of the ideal situation that many of us who are kind of creating content at home wish we had. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of different circumstances people can find themselves in. Like, I know, uh, you know, I'm recording in a room. This is my main office. This is where I work. Your point about friction is really, really good because literally any barrier between, you know, me and being able to record, especially on video, yeah. um, I will use that as an opportunity to not do it at all. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Some people mm-hmm. live for the camera. I'm envious of those people. Uh, but uh, let's talk about some of the different scenarios. So, um, you know, ideally it is a permanent installation. It's well sound treated. It's got, you know, the lights and it, it's very easy to go in and press play. Um, but most of us live in reality uh, and do not have either the space or the quiet. Um, so let's talk about how do you maybe optimize your home recording environment? Uh, say if you're in, let's start with like a closed office, like the one I'm in, I've got a door that can shut, but it is, you know, a standard room that has other other functions. How would I optimize kind of a space like th- that one? Well, the first thing that, that I always teach is let's analyze the space that you're in. What type of walls do you have? Uh, do you have flat walls? Do you have doors on all the walls? Do you have windows on all the walls? Figure out what would be the best backdrop for you when you're setting up the space. And if you have plants, if you have character in there, put it in there because that then connects the audience with you. So having personality in that space, no matter what, it is a huge connector. For example, a friend of mine was visiting another friend of mine and he did a live stream from his 
studio. And everybody was like, wait, that's not your studio. That's somebody else's studio. What are you doing in their studio? So it, it creates that branded identity as well. Uh, you know, when you're in somebody else's office and, and studio space. So how do you maximize it? Well, make sure you analyze this, like I said, analyze the room and then say, okay, wait, what areas am I using this space for? Now, in my office, it, it feels very small, but it's pretty wide distance behind me. I've got about eight feet that my kids come and play. I have another desk here that I can work on other things. And it's it's like a dual functioning office for me. But then what I've done is I've added lights in it that can change depending on the task that I'm doing. So I can have dedicated lights just for the studio recording side of things. But then if I want to turn all of that off, just have the overhead lights because I just want to do work or hang out with my kids, I can also do that. So think about all the different scenarios you can have. And what about uh, like audio or acoustic treatments for a room? How can you kind of improve the the, the vocal sound? Because uh, I know that, that's a big issue. Uh, so it's... it's it's one of the biggest issues of, of absolutely like a lot of people like I'm, I'm getting all this echo. Well, the first thing that I say is pick the right microphone, right? There are at least four different types of microphones that you can pick up and introduce in your studio. And I say, which one will work for a shared space? Now, for the longest time, I was using the most popular microphone in the world. Everybody will tell you to get the Blue Yeti. I've yeah. got one in my closet of shame right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that microphone is designed specifically for a treated room. And they've done, they've created it a, like a jack of all trades. Um, I don't want to say master of none because it does have some mastery on, on some, you know, those features, but it has a, a few different polar patterns on this microphone that enables you to connect. But the problem that I start, uh, started having, because I have, I have young kids, they're playing in the other room and you can hear that sound through the microphone. I was like, this is not going to work. So I ended up switching out this condenser type microphone into a, uh, a dynamic microphone. Now a dynamic microphone requires that you're close up enough to it and the closest sound gets the most uh, focus on it. So if you, if you do hear, if I do hear people in the other room, you're not going to hear it because the microphone is designed for close contact, whoever's closer. Plus, because of the wave theory, our voices travel in waves, and the farther they go, the lower they drop. In. Um, so having the right microphone totally helps. The next thing you want to do is, yes, uh, there might be your voice echoing in the room if you have a lot of flat surfaces, if you have a nice, beautiful wooden floor, it's going to reflect off of that. So what you can do is throw down rugs, have some paintings and stuff on the walls, some curtains. They're going to break the sound from coming back to you. So you don't have to go all out with foam panels like I did, but you could start with, hey, where is my camera looking at? What areas can I block off and control with sound absorption units? That's awesome. I really appreciate it. And so that's, that's kind of a good way to approach, um, you know, looking at this, you know, maybe it's a dual use space or a multi-use space, but it is still kind of an unenclosed space that you get control over. Um, now let's talk about how things can get worse. Uh, because sometimes maybe, you know, you're not able to 
uh, have a closed off space, you know, because of space or, or other restrictions. And so you're working at, uh, say, a kitchen or dining room table, mm -hmm. uh, maybe even a living room. Yeah. So let's say you're in a space where you can't really make uh, any changes to kind of what's around you, the room treatments. Mm -hmm. um, how do you optimize kind of the more on the go uh, or, or ad hoc podcast? So we, we call these the temporary spaces, right? You're not always going to use it. You're going to a hotel room. You're going to a vacation rental. You go to places where you can't, you don't have a whole lot of control on your environment. What you can do is you can either take a portable sound treatment, such as acoustic panels or portable voice boots. Now, those could be a lot to carry around. What you want to do in those kind of spaces, especially if you're doing video, is to have a lapel mic on you so it's close to you and you know it, it only has a very small distance of capturing your video uh, and your audio so then you're directly driving that audio with your video of course you're gonna you know you're gonna pay attention to the lighting now if you're not doing video hotel rooms have very claustrophobic closets you could be very close you know hang out in there with your clothes and like hey i'm just doing this podcast from my room just because I want to make sure that I'm putting content out for my audience oh, and get it above done. all, absolutely right, right. And I, I love that notion. There's so much about kind of podcast creation on the back end that like it's so scrappy. But mm -hmm. everything that you can't see, like I remember before I had a boom arm, I had yeah. like a dictionary and some Stephen King books that I prop my mic up on. I've got a T-shirt that I keep next to my desk to throw over my second monitor, and there you do that go. kind of thing anywhere. You can. Uh, I like to call it uh, embracing your inner 14-year-old and just strew your belongings and clothes around you in the service of good sound. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and Seth Godin, I think he's he mentioned all the time, hey, if you're recording a podcast, just go in your closet. You'll have the best sound ever because you're close to the microphone. Everything else is absorbing your sound and you sound golden. And you get to make lots of in-the-closet jokes, um, which I appreciate hugely. So, all right, let's talk with this. There's another scenario, especially now, now that people are kind of getting off and back to offices more, back to conference rooms. Let's talk about conference rooms, because I know as, as a kind of production house, uh, we live in fear of conference room audio. It's got big flat walls. It's got wide, empty spaces. Your boss is around. You can't make a mess. Uh, what is kind of how do you get the best possible sound in that admittedly disadvantageous situation? So again, I would I would recommend either a lapel mic or even a headset which has a microphone like something that you're wearing. So you got a microphone coming directly to your face, and it's capturing the audio from the source, you know, from the horse's mouth, or so have you. So that way, it's in fact, if you go back and listen to my first season on my podcast, I recorded all of those episodes in my car driving back and forth from work. And I was using the similar headset that you're using and the microphone is right in front of my face. It's connected to my iPad recording on Ferrite. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. And you cannot tell that I am in a car or any space. Of course, if you do find something that's a continuous hum or whatever, you can always edit that out in, in software like Adobe Audition and stuff like that. And yeah, to, to to an extent. There's uh, to there's an only, extent, like, exactly. To an extent. There's, and for anyone listening, uh, do not take that as freedom to record in an echoey space because there's almost nothing anyone can do about echo. No, you can't do anything with <laughs> echoey space because, yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, the other one we'll just say for for 
uh, Karma, while we're talking about it, is uh, as much as possible record on uh, a dual-ended recorder. Maybe you can talk about this a little bit too, because uh, when you use something like Skype or like Zoom, it's very easy and everyone knows how to do it, but it's not capturing everything. Actually, Janae, could you speak to that a little bit, um, kind of the recording platform that people should be using? Yes, so there are many, many recording platforms. You've got um, Riverside, uh, the platform that we're using right now. We, we've got Zencaster. There's, of course, everybody's favorite Zoom and StreamYard. Uh, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to be consistent. So whichever platform is comfortable for you, start with that one. Now, Zoom has come a long way in the past three years where you can enable uh, direct audio or um, professional audio if you have a good microphone. But then what's still happening is that they are compressing it down to an MP3 file as opposed to saving it in a high-quality WAV file, which are these other platforms that, that I mentioned are able to do. Now, back in the days before all of this, people would record their own audio on, on their own devices, and then you would then email each other and then combine that recording together. Uh, that is another option because now you can record at the highest quality possible on your side. So again, you can go from being super simple to be super complicated. All comes down to how, how, um, how easy you want it to be or how high quality. Again, it all comes with the territory. In the beginning, you just want to be, hey, I want to be able to con continue to create content, be consistent. Once you build up that energy and, and that experience, then you can say, okay, now I can go spend $10,000 on this bike. You know, when you first start a bike, you start with a Walmart bike. Like, okay, I got it. And then you go to the bike store and spend 10000 on a bike because you got it all down. So I think same thing goes with creating podcasts and equipment for it. Right, well, let's talk a little bit about the, the investment and the cost a little bit because, I mean, I, I know and I'm sure you know, you can spend absolutely as much money as you want. And yes. You get the fair. There's no limit to There's how no much limit. you can invest in your in your podcast tech. Um, I've been through personally a, a revolving door of mics um, in the last little while. But what's a, what's a good kind of starter budget, say, for, for a company, for a solopreneur, and they want to get into podcasting and they want to sound a little bit better than just yeah. recording, you know, on a headset mic? What's a good kind of low to mid-range, you're going to sound good setup cost? So keeping in mind that you already have a laptop or a desktop computer, you can record it. You, have, um, you can start anywhere from you know, a few hundred dollars to several thousand dollars. And let's say you want to stay in the range of mid $2,000. You can get pretty good uh, set of gear for that price, especially if you're looking at microphones, uh, maybe a good camera. Uh, maybe a good set of headphones and um, lighting equipment for your video setup. And I think you can go really far with that. In fact, when I started doing podcast recordings and video, I was just using a webcam from 10 years ago that I used for, I have I can't even remember what I used it for. But and all of these equipment have a huge life because they can be used for a very long time. They have a a uh, really good investment value. So your few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars will go, will take you a long way, especially if you do it right the first time and then just keep going. Now, a professional grade microphone can go anywhere from 
you know, $500 to $2,000. And some people go crazy on that. Again, I would say get started now. Use your smartphone. It's just got the best microphone, you know, especially the iPhones and, and even the Samsung devices. They have three, four microphones in there that help uh, isolate your sound. Uh, so my, oh, my, my thing always goes to just get started uh, with your minimal budget and um, then you can upgrade as you go. Yeah, I like that. There's a really you know good argument for uh, making a minimal investment while you're testing the concept. Because, uh, you know, it, it, it's rare, um, you know, and it didn't happen to, to you or I today. But, you know, you can start podcasting and hate it. Uh, and you're going to feel a lot better about, you know, the project not working out if you didn't drop $500 on, on, a, on a shiny yeah. mic uh, or camera. Um, so, you know, you know, you can start as a podcaster by a videocaster by with a limited series, by live streaming, mm -hmm. um, by kind of informal meeting style. There's a lot of ways to kind of test consistent content creation before making the investment. But if you do decide to like it, uh, they decide that you like it or that it's it's viable for your business. Yeah. Definitely do make, um, you know, an investment in your qual in the quality of your equipment because it, it's table stakes are getting higher every year with how oh my God. you need to stand. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, and okay, I'm gonna say now, even with really good equipment, I've got I've got a fairly good mic. I'm currently using the the Shure SN7B. Yeah. So when we had our get to know you call last week, you pointed out that I sounded terrible, um, which was true. <laughs> I think we fixed that problem. We did. I ended up getting on a call with uh, my business partner, who's, uh, who's the gearhead at our company, uh, and it took it took like twenty minutes, and we finally figured out it was my computer internal settings that were too high, and it was causing the background hiss. I had to pull up Blue Yeti, test against that. In a fit of pique, I bought the other mic that you recommended, the MV7. So that's sitting behind me now, waiting to be <laughs> tested out. Um, but the testing, the troubleshooting of audio. Um, is really technical and it's really not easy. Um, can you walk us through a process for, you know, if you're listening to your your recordings and you should be listening to your recordings, uh, if it doesn't sound right, what are some of the things people should look for and test and try to optimize? Man, that's that's a fun question because <laughs> you have an interesting definition of fun, my friend. <laughs> right? It's, it is fun because when you have a challenge, it's kind of like you know you're testing all the different things. So you want to go anywhere from uh, testing your volume levels, maybe they're too high or too low, or maybe your microphone placement is not right, you know, which can lead to, uh, and, and some things that I've noticed in, on, in other podcasts is, let's say they're using the Blue Yeti microphone, but they're pointing in the wrong direction or talking in the, in the wrong direction because it is a side addressable microphone, whereas people are like, oh, I'm just going to talk over here because it looked like a microphone, right? So you got to know the type of microphone you're using uh, where the driver is capturing the audio and you're talking into that space as opposed to the offside. And you, that can help improve the audio uh, by miles. Make you know, also look at the software, like you mentioned, you know, uh, if you're on a PC, make sure you have the right drivers. If you're on a Mac, make sure you're selecting the right microphone because I've had this, I've got three different microphones connected to my mic at all, at all time. Depending on which mic it's connected, I'm going to sound different. So I have a mic coming from ATEM Mini. I have a mic directly built into the MacBook. If I have the wrong microphone selected, then, well, I'm not going to sound that good. Compression of the audio file, you know, how much is it getting compressed? Can you control any of that? Again, test for all of those things. And um, that's, that's where you then start to troubleshoot and uh, get a better quality sound. 
Oh, that's awesome. I'm just going to recap some of that because that's really, really good advice. And it's nice to be able to kind of create, we can, uh, in the show notes, we'll make a little list of the different things you can test if, for reasons unknown, you know, yeah. good. Uh, so it's, it's the volume settings on your computer's internal system, on the platform you're recording on, and on the mic or connector itself. Three different places to test and mess with volume. Uh, make sure that you have, you know, if you have a kind of a mic that can do different things, is it on omnidirectional? Is it on cardioid? Is it on what you need it to be? Are you talking into the right part of your mic? Watch, look up the YouTube make and model for your mic. Someone has done a demo on how to exactly. use it correctly. <laughs> and then, you know, test once you've got that all sorted, think about the platform you're recording on. Would a different platform sound better? And then what can you do to your room and your space and your environment to further optimize your sound? If you can do all of that, invest two hours in it one afternoon. Yeah. What a great investment in your podcast that's going to be. And it didn't cost you anything other than the mic. Exactly. And it's it's a one-time thing. You've got it all dialed in. Now you can do it everything every single time. Just like when we were driving a car, I had to take my mother-in-law's car to pick up my daughter. I had to change the seat settings because the way she's sitting. And then it's like, wow, what a, what is, what is, what's. What an interesting thing to think about, you know, once you've got the seat, seating settings dialed in and, and the rear receiver dialed in, now I can go and drive. But in our own cars, we do the same thing. We have your memory setting, and when you sit in the car, it's in that position. So the same thing applies to everything in life, especially podcast, microphone, and audios. That kind of brings it back to uh, one of the points you made right at the top of the call is when you do have your testing done, it reduces the friction because you know to a high degree of certainty that you're going to sound pretty good when you just press record. You only have to do that the one time. Exactly. So moving on a little bit to the, the video side of things, there was another really good point you made uh, when, when we were first having our chat. Uh, and it's that, uh, you know, when you are recording, especially in video, you've got kind of this human instinct to look into the eyes of the person that you're talking to. Uh, when really we should be looking at the camera, which is going to be providing that direct one-on-one -on -one look. And I, I, I've been trying to keep it in mind since we spoke about it. Um, do you have any other tips of that nature to kind of have a more natural look for the end viewer of the videos that you're creating? One of the things that my friend talks about, he'll put a picture of me or you know another friend of his and put it right next to the lens. So now you're having a conversation with your friend. And this way, I'm like, hey, Jim, John, whatever the name of your friend might be, uh, Heather, you know, uh, Megan, this video is for you. And then you, you talk and then, you know, you're more aligned to it. Now, it was a big learning curve for me too. I haven't done video before. I've been behind the camera all, you know, all this time. But when I came in front of the camera, I was like, okay, hi, I need to practice to talk into the lens. And I can look back down when I'm receiving the conversation, but then I got to look back up to the lens when I'm delivering my message or, or my part of the conversation. Awesome. And there was one thing, and I, I sent this to you just before uh, before we chatted, so if you haven't had a chance to look, I understand. But uh, NVIDIA, I think that's a video card company, they have come out with an AI recording platform that automatically changes just where your what? eyes are looking. How cool is that? It is really cool, and again, it's it's all all they're doing is they know what our eyes look like, and they can you know basically just just shifting it just a teeny bit. But again, it is a it's a really cool uh, feature, but it, but it is also a marketing trick because they want you to buy their gear, right? 
and it's only valid for people running a, a Windows machine that has the ability to add on a video card. For all the rest of us who are using laptops, well, <laughs> kind of SOL, unless they say, oh, it'll also work on these specific laptop models that have NVIDIA products. Mm -hmm. But I think it's it's really cool that they're able to do that. I, I think it's cool too. I mean, it, it freaks me out a little bit because um, like the video manipulation kind of throws a lot of things in our world into question. But like, boy, would I love to have another thing to learn taken off my list. <laughs> well, well, think about it, right? Um, all of this that we're doing with putting our faces that we don't even have to do that. I mean, there's a software by Adobe uh, called Character Animator. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah, but we're we're starting to use it a little bit for. Hey, it's so cool, media. and you it just tracks your eyes and your face movement, and it'll just track you know, uh, map it to a puppet. Essentially, you're a puppeteer now, and you're controlling this puppet. And, and uh, they had done a demo, I believe, almost ten years ago, where they uh, did an episode of Family Guy and Family, or was it Simpsons? Uh, the Simpsons, where you know Simpson, what's his name? What's Simpson's name? Is this Simpson? What's the main guy's name? The guy who says "dope." Oh, uh, Homer. Homer. There we go. So <laughs> Homer's sitting at a desk. He's getting phone calls, and the actual actor, the voice actor, is picking up these phone calls, and they're act. You know, they're um, doing live animation essentially, and they have all these characters walking in. It was, it was really fun. Uh, way to interact and you know engage with the audience too. Awesome. Well, Janet, thank you so much for all of this this marvelous detail, all of these things to think about, and and now to kind of make our recordings better. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm I'm happy to happy to talk further. I mean, this is this is what I love to do. I can talk about this all day long, and um, sometimes I might go too deep into the story time. But, you know, I, I just love how all of this has enabled us to not only connect with each other, but also um, grow as a person and grow as a uh, human being. I love so, that, too. And where can people connect with you more? Website, social media? Where are you? I've got a lot of different sites. You can find <laughs> me at SuperGenate on uh, almost every platform. Um, you can learn more about my home studio on homestudiomastery.com. And my podcast is over at hacksandhobbies.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been a great time. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here with me today. My name is Megan Doherty, and I'm the host of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. The show is created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. And if you are feeling podcast curious and you'd like to explore that, you are more than welcome to reach out to us anytime by any contact page on onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E stonecreative.net. And while you're there, if you want to check out our free monthly strategy and networking calls or the bi-weekly newsletter we're sending out about uh, business podcast case studies, how different businesses are using podcasts in their companies to see measurable business outcomes, uh, I invite you to check both of those out. You will find them from the homepage. See you next time.